0: Thank you for joining us for season two of Elemental Collision. My name is Dave Graham, and today I am joined by Dr. Kyla McMullen and Lauren Cooney, and we're going to be talking about building your community. So let's jump right into the conversation. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with Lauren Cooney and Kyla McMullen. Dr. Kyla McMullen, I know you don't like me saying that, but I'm going to say it because it sounds fancier coming out of my mouth than anything else I've done today. So <laughs> there you go. Um, and it's a pleasure to meet you both, um, Lauren. You are directly responsible for this meeting happening, um, mostly because you bird dogged both of us <laughs> through email to get to us this point. So that's I that's- just
1: nudge. I just nudge.
0: You know, nudge, insisting, nudge, whatever, however you choose to look at it. It was <laughs> a very <laughs> wonderful thing that you did because here we are and we're going to be recording this thing together. So, by way of, by virtue of introduction, let's go through. Uh, Kyle, I'll start with you. Give us a little bit of kind of who you are and what you've done. Uh, yeah. Go from there.
2: Cool. So, I was born on a Thursday at 9 30 a.m. and Washington, DC at Washington Adventist Hospital. And I'm joking, no, that's all real, but um, (laughs) from growing up, really loved computers, toys, anything electronic, Um, got my BS in computer science at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. And that's where I realized I really like research and computers. And I went to the University of Michigan to get my master's and my PhD there to further study these things. And that's when I was met with the trials of the PhD, very humbling experience. Right now, I'm currently the only woman of color to get a PhD in the computer science department wow. at the University of Michigan. Yeah, I say that not to brag, but to you know just give an illustration of how critical it is to get representation there. Mm-hmm. So after my time at Michigan, I then went to Clemson University for about a year and a half and did research there as an assistant professor, and then interviewed to go to the University of Florida, where I could join the Human-Centered Computing Division of the Computer Science Department because I just love the intersection of people and computer science. You know, All of my degrees from BS to PhD are computer science, but I want to know at the end of the day, how does what I'm making influence or affect the lives of other people? So I've been at Florida for about 6 years now and I have a research lab. We do really cool stuff with virtual reality and augmented reality using sound and making very immersive environments where you can hear things like they're coming from actual places around you but they're coming from headphones. It's really trippy and we put it into like different kinds of applications and yeah, thank you so much for having me here.
0: That's that's amazing. And I'll I'll circle back to that because I want to talk a little bit more about that lab cuz you know my Tech brain is going off in all I, kinds of corners. I think
1: that we need to go on a field trip. Oh, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, when everything opens back up, I you know, know, and DeSantis is no longer the governor of Florida. Yeah, I, I'm, okay. I'm sorry that I, <laughs> I don't do politics in general, but that guy needs to go. Now <laughs> <Laura, laughs> we've done that, if, you know, astute As we all nod, yeah. yeah. Yes, absolutely. Lauren, your turn. Who are you? What Great. do you do around this um, joint? I guess I've
1: been around tech for... Um, probably over 20 years. And I say that because I actually grew up um, and I think my introduction to tech was like the Oregon Trail or something along those lines. And, you know, (laughs) he died of dysentery, but, um, you know, I think (laughs) that, uh, you know, I went to college and I took an MIS course and I almost failed. And then I went, I, you know, after college, I was a, I was a history and business double major. I flew out here to California and did some work, ended up in venture capital and in venture capital, I was working heavily on the business and the finance side and had no idea about the tech, right? Just no idea. And it was, it was time for me to learn about tech. So I got hired at a company called BEA Systems. Um, They built this app server, this WebLogic app server back in the day and, uh, I was, I was working there. I was running the developer programs group. And um, I said something really um, incorrect in front of about 300 software developers. Oh, and uh, the chief architect of the company was there and he pulled me off stage and <laughs> took me to his office and put me in a beanbag chair and explained how app servers worked. And then gave me a book on Java with a CD-ROM in the back and said, don't come back to work until you've built me your first Hello World app. And wow. so, wow. yeah, and so that, that I learned how, you know, I, I am not a coder by any means. I will not call myself a programmer, um, but I actually picked up Java, PHP, then ASP.net along my journey at BEA, IBM, Microsoft. Then I went to Juniper and then at Cisco, um, I worked in the CTO office and started an open source organization and did a lot of fun stuff there. And then, you know, after that, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And uh, I I kind of looked at my career and realized how much more help women need in the tech environment, in the corporate environment, especially as, you know, we move up the corporate ladder, it gets harder and harder Mm -hmm. and the spots are fewer and further between. So how do we get more sponsors, more mentors, more folks in those rooms? And how do we teach women to go fight for that raise and that promotion in a way where they're going to get it? So I'm a coach and that's what I do. I, you know, help women, you know, um, whether they get their raise and promotion at their existing job or we help, I help them find a new job. We make sure that
0: happens. So that's amazing. it's a lot of
1: fun. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's amazing. I have two daughters, I have two teenage daughters and, you know, so my investiture in this also is to look at, you know, at, at the end of the day, I want to be able to turn to them and say, there are good role models for you. I can go through this. There is a lot of shitty people in this industry, <laughs> technology specifically. But yeah. there's just a lot of there's there's not a lot of good. And Kyla, I want to echo something you said. You know, how do you help people within this space, right? Becomes, you know it's a huge transformative kind of worldview. And I want, I want my girls ultimately when they listen to this, whether they listen to it now, which I'm not going to force them to do that, but <laughs> when they listen to it down the road, right. they can at least hold you know good examples of you know awesome human beings awesome women who have gone through some of this process that, you know, unfortunately have the scars from the, sh- the shit that's been done, but also have, you know, kind of light at the end of the tunnel that there's a story to tell that, you know, call it a forcing function for now, but it's a forcing function to bring us to normative behavior, which is everybody has equal opportunity, equal footing, equal stance when it comes to these jobs and availability. So yeah. Awesome. I, I love that. Love the aspect and dynamics there. So circling a little bit around, let's, you both have talked about community uh, kind of out there, but I want to ask the question since I asked this of everybody, you know, what community means to you and Kyle, I'll start with you again. Yeah, unfortunately sure. on the bottom of my screen. So <laughs> on, you know, if my eyes look like they're wandering, it's because
2: uh, I'm it's sandwiched okay.
0: in between you two incredible people. <laughs> so Kyle, we'll let's start with you. What does community actually mean to you?
2: Yeah, community is like a huge, huge part of just my overall survival. But uh, for me, community is not just, you know, having a bunch of people who know each other. It's about having people who are willing to pour into each other and to also be poured into. It's this sort of symbiotic kind of relationship where everyone there, you know, has this element of we need each other and has this shared understanding. It might not be like articulated in a manual or something, but- everyone has the shared understanding that we are all here for each other so yeah
0: I love that I like the concept of pouring into each other if I've been told multiple times over you know by my tribe so to speak that I can't I can't pour out of an empty cup so there has to be there has to be somebody that's filling you whether yeah however you choose to do you look at that analogy so Lauren uh, over to you what does community mean to you?
1: I would say that I would echo everything that was just said, first of all, because I really think that it comes down to the relationships and the shared understandings, but also trust because you can't build a community without trust and honesty goes along with that as well. So I think it's, it's extremely important in, in our communities as we are going through this, you know, time, I won't call it unprecedented because the news does too much (laughs) and, um, you it's, it's important for us, I think, to really step up our game and, and try to be positive role models for folks that are, are having a tough time and are, you know, really going through it. And, you know, I know people that are losing their business, losing their jobs, like trying to figure out where they want to live. You know, there's an exodus occurring out of California right now, you know, while we're burning down. Um, <laughs> and, um, wow. you know, I think that there is uh, there's just a lot of opportunity for goodness, though. And I think the more that we can put it out, the more we're going to get it back. And that's part of community as well.
0: So Pouring into each other, pouring into every, everyone around us. And also that trust basis, you know, you, you kind of got to, I know we pre-briefed a little bit on trust, but I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> I mean, trust is in, is intrinsic to everything that we do. You know, we we all work in tech or we have some kind of approach to tech and, you know, trust gets bandied about a lot, you know, uh, especially around data. Hey, how do I know that this data is trustworthy? You know, and I think... Given this year, given the forcing function of geopolitical bullshit that's, that's really happened, you know from corona to politics to everything in between, um, I think trust forms an interesting basis to develop community around. How do I know that this information is real? We've seen this with the discussions around COVID. We've you know mm-hmm. some of the stuff I worked on with my day job, we look at communities that are inherently distrustful of government actions. And we're trying to use technology to bolster the argument that you should actually trust what the CDC is saying, because right. otherwise bad things are going to happen to good people. Mm. So when we look at the dynamics of trust, and Kyle, I'll throw it over to you again. When you started to go into your, your research, and I did a little bit of background snooping on LinkedIn, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I try to be a little bit somewhat prepared for this, you know, or even the stuff that you brought up this morning. You know, how did it feel for you to kind of go into the environment of you, Mish, and and basically you know, be somebody that people had to develop trust and rapport with and build that community and still be an exemplar of somebody that's succeeded in that space.
2: No, that's exactly what happened on the first day. Like I walk in and in my incoming class, you know, obviously in the department, there may be A couple other people who looked like me, but they were also male. So, you know, I still didn't have like a black woman as an example to be like, yes, she did it. So I can do it too. Um, But yeah, you explained exactly what happened. I'll never forget my databases class, Um, advanced databases. We had to pick two partners for a project and like literally everyone turned to people who looked like them to, you know, be partners. And I'm just like, wow, nobody here. Okay, great. Great. So, you know, it's really hard to develop community there. And there's nothing crazy story where um i was in a hardware class and two women in the class myself and another white woman and she, you know, we got a test, everybody did really bad on it. And, you know, the next day everyone comes in like asking the TA like, oh, that was so hard. Nobody passed it, you should give us a curve. And so then um, the TA says, oh, actually someone got an A on the test and they were like, <laughs> oh, how? And then the, per- and the TA and in her infinite wisdom says, I won't tell you who she is. So automatically they're looking at the two of us and then they immediately <laughs> turn to the white girl and say, oh my oh. gosh, how did you do it, blah, blah, blah. It was me. <laughs> but-
0: Everyone's, Damn straight it was.
2: Right. Everyone's immediate response was yeah. to think that. So, right then and there, like that definitely made my trust just completely go down. Like, oh my gosh, what is happening? But one counteraction to that is that I built the community that I wanted. If I didn't see the community already there, I said, okay, who is doing the things I want to do? So for me, I was all about academics and moving forward. So people who came to office hours, who asked lots of questions in class, you know, I'm hitting them on the side, like, hey, do you want to study together? Hey, do you want to do this? So I'm all about building the community if you don't already see it there. And I'm also outgoing, so that helps with it as well, but you know. (laughs) Small part. (laughs) Yeah, but that's my selection process. Like you have to build the community if you don't see it there.
0: Well, that's been said about intentional community. I think, you know, some people throw around that word. I, I, I was asked the other day, but you know, I'm not naturally inclined to go find other people. I mean, you know, and part of this is this year has done it. You know, we now have a Silicon wall where there used to be, you know, the four Mm -hmm. walls of my apartment. It's now um, (laughs) there's an awesome song by a guy named Robert Grace. uh, He's out of Ireland, funny enough, called Mm -hmm. fake fine. And so it's all about that kind of veneer that you wear, that kind of mask that you wear and how you interact with people. again, it's not necessarily directed attack, it definitely isn't. <laughs> so I think there's some references to smoke and crack in there, but
2: I'm <laughs> minor
0: details. <laughs> yeah, you know, minor. It's Peggy. It's a great, but it's a great song to identify some of the concepts and some of the things that have happened this year. We're all of a sudden where we're used to being social creatures. Whether you're introverted or extroverted, again, I think that often gets misconstrued as being, you know, I'm an introvert, according to Myers bricks. You wouldn't guess that from the way I interact with folks, but I like my alone time, you know. Mm but I do draw energy from folks like yourselves and I'm able to kind of converse on that side, you know, so that concept of being inner, intentional and and really trying to find people that, you know, kind of color in the color in the picture a little bit more, help color in your lines and how you view the world and how you bring that, um, bring that to bear. And, you know, so Lauren, in your perspective, along, along those same lines, you know, how have you seen the work that you've done through Spark Labs and, you know, kind of, I'm name dropping your company here. here hi. There you go. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, again, it's right here on my corner of my screen. Again, research. I'll try to Love do this. I'll try to do this well. <laughs> how have you seen that kind of uh, kind of concept of intentional community and in what you're trying to accomplish with empowering women, empowering that conversation that they get to have, how they how you level yeah. out these companies? I'm, I'm well, really I curious think- about that.
1: Well, I, I, uh, one of the things that I created, um, and I fund, um, you know, is a community for women in corporate roles. And in that community, it's online, an online virtual community. Um, it's called progress and it is free to join that no strings attached. You can join, you can leave whatever. Um, but there are about 350 women in the community. Now it's been around for about a year. Um, I don't do much marketing or promotion of it. I just have it on my website and um, people have really, you know, it's a lot of word of mouth in terms of how it's grown. And it, I, I'm the one that lets people in or, you know, kind of closes the gate. And I have a rule that you have to, you know, women have to be supporting women. You have to be a woman or identify as a woman. Like, Mm -hmm. and um, we, you know, there's a code of conduct and frankly, there's no assholes. And kind of you know important. if if you if you do it like that, right? Yeah. Um, you get a great community of folks, and we meet monthly. Actually, we have a Zoom that where everyone kind of jumps on, and we go around, and we, uh, you know, we probably any you know there's anywhere between like five and fifty. You know, oh. I've had on yeah. those calls, and it's like you go around and you talk about what's going on in your life, and. Um, you know, or career. And what happens is there is always like one or two things that pop up and the other women are there to really help uplift these women that are going through something that is tough. And it's amazing to see. And it's, um, it's really what I'm trying to do is bring together these women that are all trying to attain very similar things and have them be able to lean on each other and have them be able to cr- start creating their networks at a you know at a more you know junior as as they're more junior because as you get more senior you need that network so desperately and yeah. if it's women more power to you
0: that's awesome I, you know I, again i've directed somebody you're you know a couple of people i think at this point directed people towards that community and i think that's awesome. i appreciate awesome. that thank well, you it, i think it's always it's always you know again going to the forcing function concept there's always this for, forcing function that corporations try to do they they see something out in society and all of a sudden they got to create something, you know, a like, oh, critical mm-hmm. mass. We got to, uh, I won't cast too many aspersions at it because I do think it's valuable. There is that natural tendency that you need to start collecting momentum. You need to start using these things as a springboard to making things normative, right? Social, mm-hmm. you know, social agitation. Um, it may not express itself in the best way, but it becomes agitation for change. It becomes something that causes, greatness. It's something that causes, hopefully, positive disruption. Um, but a lot of what, you know, what you see through corporations that, yeah, okay, we'll set up an employee resource group. Five Karen, I'm going to use the pejorative, five Karens will join that group. And then you never stop hearing about, you know, everybody else's business. And it becomes something that's, even though it's kind of this intentional community, it becomes this intentional thing. And we see this, you know, men do this too, when we do this a lot, trust me. And it's even more unsavory than uh, I care to talk about at this point. But it becomes this kind of thing that that snowballs and, and, and it kind of makes everybody look a little bit more askance at that. I mean, we've all experienced probably little microcosms of this within the companies and institutions that we we've, we've been a part of. So how do you fight against the natural tendency to kind of virtue signal, if I, if you will, within corporations or within large educational institutions, and really try to get to the meat of, you know, what community is about, how, how to build communities even. And I'll, I'm actually going to point at both of you. So you can answer in your own <laughs> different ways. Won't pick anybody yeah. this time.
2: No, I think like one huge, huge thing is authenticity. If you come and you, you, present yourself as a person that is very authentic you make we all make mistakes no one's going to know all the right words all the terms to use every time but you bring that as your full self and show yourself as a person who's not perfect but willing to learn and see this as a process we all go together go through together I think that's the most important and then also vulnerability which kind of goes into the authenticity you have to be vulnerable in order to be authentic because no one wants to have community with a bunch of shell it's a bunch of fake people once you have those connections with people who are at their core acting as the person that they are i think that's how you get around it completely
1: and i i I would i would definitely agree and i think that also um for me it's a lot of admitting i don't know Mm -hmm. right and i i and i'm okay with that right because i i want to learn if i don't know something i want to learn more about Mm -hmm. it and i want to learn the right way to, to do this. And so it's a lot of listening and a lot of sitting in, in uncomfort, uncomfortable situations at times that, you know, and, and as a coach, I often put people in those situations because they have to get used to them quite frankly, yeah. as we all do. And I think they will become more comfortable, you know, if people are authentic and, you know, honest in themselves. But you know, like Kyla says, if you get a bunch of shells, no one, no one wants that. And if you also get corporations that are building programs without the input of employees and are relying on specific employees to build those programs that they aren't compensating fairly, then you don't you don't have a solution. You have the solution for failure. But <laughs> right. um, beyond that, you, you really have nothing. And it's, I watch these companies pour money into employee resource groups and some are a phenomenal, right? I talk to some companies that just really have it down pat and they just, they know what they're doing and they're great. And then I see some companies just paying out of their wallet to get on lists and, you know, be the coolest company and things along those lines. And for me, it's just like, it's a, it's a sham, so I, I look at this, them, and, you know, everyone knows that they pay you, like, says it on the page,
0: right? right.
1: Like, yeah. you paid to have that number one slot. This right, week, so, <laughs> 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 I don't think the employees are voting for you. I think your, your pocketbook
0: <laughs> is it's right. up there with those That's, most ethical company type rank scales. And you're like, I know, I, don't I know, know exactly and I think, I
1: be. think, I do think that people are genuinely trying to do their best, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, sometimes it's not doing, it's listening.
2: Yeah. I want to add to your point too. I really like the fact that you brought up that there's these employee resource groups where they want to lean on the person or the group of people who are being marginalized to make the change. But if the power to bring about change was in the hands of the marginalized, well, don't you think it would already be changed at this point? So it's, it's just it's, it's just stupid to me. So that's one. And then two, not only are you know people who take up these things because they're so passionate about it, not only are they not compensated, sometimes they're docked for it and saying oh you're not enough into your job so it's like all right you say in the media that you really value employee diversity however on a person's evaluation it says you're doing too much diversity work so which one is it pick your pick what you want yeah
0: you can't serve two masters almost you know there, yeah. there's this expectation i think i would i would hope that you know specifically the company that i work at you know they during a the day they, uh, they do place a high emphasis on going out and doing volunteer work and trying to get involved in that. And, and I will, you know, for all intents and purposes, they do a really good job of trying to reinforce the idea of, you know, ERGs or employee research groups as communities, as intentional communities. You know, you're not forced to be a part of these, which I think is great because it's not, if you're not a part of them, you're not really doing your part kind of thing. You know, people need to feel or they need to have that volition. They need to have that desire within them to, mm-hmm. to be a part of these. It doesn't mean that they're any less if they don't. Right. It just means that, you know, they actually, I think they're more willing to participate and they're more willing to, you know, kind of agitate for change if they're, if they're voluntarily choosing to be there. So I think it's, I love the dynamics that you, you both have talked about. Um, Kyla, going back <laughs> into, into education, higher ed, um, we see a lot of this kind of institutional marginalization as well. Um, and it's around the world. <laughs> yeah. I don't go to a domestic program. I'm actually super stoked and I'm going to touch <laughs> on some of the stuff that you, that you're working on. You know, the program I'm part of it does, uh, it's all about inclusive design. It's all designed. We have engineers, we have artists, we have dancers, which I is phenomenal. We actually have sonic engineers, uh, which I heard from this morning that are Yay. taking, you know, <laughs> written history and, and turning it into audio uh, auditory, oh, I forget the. Word. <laughs> yeah, a great word. or audio. Yeah, there's audification. There's lots of words
2: sonification, there. sonification.
0: Sonification, even better. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so yes. I was like laughing. Like I'm, I'm in, I'm in academia now. I use big <laughs> words. Oh yeah, um, and I love it and the passion that these people have and and for doing things, but there's also this kind of weird look that people give when you tell them that you're you're part of inclusive design that mm-hmm. you're looking at things from a different lens. So how you know, given that you work with, you know, auditory experiences really. Yeah. And it's really kind of an inclusive design by nature. How do you view how do you think people view what you do? Do they do they kind of look at you with like three eyes and ten <laughs> heads type thing? Or are you finding that this is something that yeah. the world is adopting and shifting and changing towards more acceptance of?
2: So qualify the word people. So people I work with or just the general public or both?
0: Which one do you want to answer first?
2: I'll start with department. I'll go small and go big. So with my department, uh, we have a human centered computing group here and we all have some Area of technology we work in and apply it to people. So to the other traditional computer scientists in the department, they think that we all do the exact same thing. (laughs) They also uh, think that our work is a lot easier because, but all of us are trained computer scientists, but we also have a mastery of another discipline. So for me, it's signal processing because I do it with sounds. It's also experimental psychology because our experiments that we perform, you have to know how people work how people perceive things. So we have this really strong perceptual background. So I would say, that the misnomer or the, you know, just the the error in thought is that what we do is easy because we deal with people. It makes it easier to do the technical stuff because you know at the end of the day a person's gonna use it, but it's not easier because I need to know, you know, three different disciplines and make sure they all merge together in a way that actually makes sense for all three disciplines. So, but then for broader society, I'm definitely seeing a lot bigger of an acceptance of human-centered computing, of immersive design, universal design, and like even research shows that when you create a universal design that not only people who are differently abled or need accessibility use it, but everybody uses it. For example, Siri and like a lot of the speech to text um, options on your phone, those were meant for people with disabilities, but everybody uses it. So there's lots of examples of that. So I think the general public is um, is more willing to see the value in it because technology is something that we touch every single day. And lots of us are familiar with being frustrated by technology so if you say hey i'm working towards making sure that you are not frustrated by this anymore and it operates in the way that you operate in order to get whatever task is that you need to get done people are like sign me up please
0: yeah absolutely (laughs) it's been great like uh I've been going through PhD seminar this week, and you know uh, the University College Dublin program, Smart Lab specifically. They've signed some agreements to NYU, for example, and you're starting to see these inclusive design schools, like you're saying, human centered design, uh, start to show up a lot more. And it's very, very exciting to see the lights turn on people's face, like, oh my gosh, this is something that that exists. Right? Who you know, it's- thought
1: humans were using things we designed? <laughs> I, not I all know about robots. machines. Oh, you know? robots. <laughs> we're, we're
0: not in Skynet just <laughs> yet. Well, it's so. also
1: like, you know, John Meta, right? Like he <laughs> brought so much, John Meta has brought so much into the, you know, the, you know, for STEM, now it's STEAM, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So oh, yeah, that's right. into, you know, into this element of technology. And I think, you know, he's been, you know, I think was the MIT or something like that. That was a very large forcing function for a while. And he was one of the only people that was doing it for, for a long time. Um, And then, you know, it, I, you know, I think that, you know, Kyle, what you're doing is phenomenal. Like, I want to yeah. come down and be one of your test subjects because hey, that sounds through. so cool. But the fact um, that you
2: just said it, you can't do it now. <laughs> There's the IRB, the whole anonymity thing. No, I'm joking. We won't say which one you did or if you came wrong <laughs> I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> Way to go, Lauren. I'm you joking. No, I'm joking.
2: It. I'm joking. You may or may not come down. You may or may not be in
0: uh, one of. I any cannot terms. confirm nor deny this conversation. <laughs> right. Do happened. I get
1: like that's, picked that's up by like guess. a black car <laughs> with like two <laughs> people in black?
2: Suits and the- may or may not. <laughs> is- yes or no. Depends, <laughs> yes or depends no. on what you do in the next five. It depends five on yes or no. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, I think it's 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 incredible to see how these things go. I'm one of the the members of the cohort that I'm in um, is part of MedVR, so looking specifically at kind of the interactions between. I think she's doing this specific on educating kids with autism or spectrum nice. disorders, right? And so I always find it fascinating. You know, I work for a technical company and I get to mess with some pretty cool stuff. I mean, it's all underneath the desk over here and, <laughs> and things. You know, I have a 3D printer somewhere down that corner, you know, and that fascination is there. And like you said, some of these things become normative. I yell at mm-hmm. Siri every single evening, you know, right. set my alarm for five o'clock. <laughs> and I don't want to be up at 5 a.m., but I am. Right. I'm one of those people that now has to get up. And a lot of these things that we kind of, yeah, like you were saying, we're created for a different purpose than what they've been adopted and turned into. Mm-hmm. I think it's fascinating to see how the world is kind of shifting and changing, where we start to realize that new ways of experiencing technology, new modalities of expression and how these get used, um, it's a new revolution, right? Accessibility yeah. of design and, and stuff like that. So. Well,
1: I mean, think about you know us wearing masks and not being able mm-hmm. to open our iPhones.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was a quick patch. Thanks, Apple. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I still want my fingerprint sensor. I I still miss that.
2: But probably as you already know, like the research shows as you have more, um, as your work for especially women and minorities in any sort of technical field the more it touches people, that's what really engages women and minorities. So like this whole move of having this universal design I'm not just making the next fastest processor but I'm making a processor that might go in a pacemaker that's gonna save someone's life. So, you know, you start to link the human and I think that's what's really what's gonna draw in people from diverse backgrounds.
0: Yeah,
1: I would, uh, I would totally agree.
0: Yeah, I haven't, I, I would love to know more about that particular research. Maybe I'll ping you after this one's done because that's, that's kind of foundational to a lot of, you know, what we want to see. And Yeah. Oh, you too. Yeah. Lauren too. (laughs) Send us an email. Why don't you? Yeah, (laughs) We'll be part of that. Um, Absolutely. So, as we kind of head towards the tail end of this, and you guys have been the best guests possible to launch season two of whatever Aww. this is that I am Aww, doing these you. days.
2: Thank
0: you. Yeah. <laughs> what are a couple of the challenges that you would uh, you would offer to to market, that you would offer to you know women in technology or otherwise? women in education, higher ed, um, you know women of color. Um, women in technology, like I said, to repeat myself over and over and over again, <laughs> what are some of those challenges that you would say, Hey, look for, don't be afraid of stepping up, um, mm-hmm. and do that. And I will let you two determine who's going to speak first on that one. Since it's I a keep loaded question. I speaking first.
2: So Lauren can go if you, if you have an answer. Yeah.
1: Oh, I've got, so I've, I've got, got lots of answers. Oh, do but it. I- Come on coach. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. No one ever calls me that. That's weird. Yeah, um, well, that's so- <laughs> right. There's always gotta be one. I'm the guy the that's in of doing that. I know, right? Elsie's <laughs> <laughs> just fine. Um, so <laughs> I think that, um, you know, when I, I encourage all women to really um, in tech to build out their networks and build out diverse networks because you do not know who you're going to be working for with, et cetera, in 10 years. So whatever you do, be kind, don't be a jerk, get your job done well, and, you know, make sure that you're doing that networking on LinkedIn, even though it's, you know, an interesting site, but, you know, just do as much as you can. And, you know, and when you're expanding those networks, don't be afraid to reach out to people and ask them to join and, you know, send them a little note about why. Right, because you have nothing to lose. What are they going to say? No, that's great. You're going to have no a billion times said to you in your life. So just risk, take that risk, right? And um, I think also, I, I think it's so important for women to just, um, you know, really start speaking out about things that are occurring in workplaces or in academia that have not been exposed yet. And I know I struggle with this because, you know, I have a lot of friends that are in tech and I have a lot of experiences that were amazingly positive and some that were negative. Right. And I don't want to take away the positive, but I should probably share a little bit more about my experiences so that folks know they're not alone. And I think that's important as well.
0: Authenticity and honesty, like you, you know, like Kyla had mentioned before it's again, you, you mentioned too, it's, it's so huge. And, Important. And so, Kyle, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there.
2: Oh, no. Yeah. No, I want to say yes, 100% to all of that. And I would add um, just not being afraid to brag on yourself. Like if you don't have a website where people can just Google you and know everything you do, you're not working hard enough. So um, for me, it's, it was so hard to make my own website because I'm like, who does this girl think she is? She's just doing so much from, yeah, I am doing a lot though. <laughs> so, you know, it's a, But yeah, don't be afraid to brag on yourself. Don't be afraid to have the confidence to say all the things that you do because women and minorities tend to downplay the things that we do because, you know, through some part of our experience, we've been taught humility sometimes. So it's like, oh, I don't want to seem to be that person. Meanwhile, the person with all the accolades and the bells and the horns and the whistles is getting all of your work when you're equally qualified and you have not sold yourself that way so I definitely say that definitely what Lauren said looking out for mentorship and for people who don't look like you because you'd be surprised who who would be in your corner if you just opened up your network opened up your options opened your eyes to just like just everybody so um, that was it and I had a third one it may not come back to me but uh, yeah, I'll st- I'll stick with those two.
0: <laughs> you know, if the third one comes back, I I I, I I'm gonna talk for a bit. So you yeah. Yeah, oh, I know it just was. like Okay, third. So it
2: was about learning, taking this time to not see, oh, I don't know that area as a challenge, you know, don't see that as, oh, I just don't know that area. You can take an e-course like Coursera, Linda, all those things. They are out there. Watch a YouTube video, you know, strengthen the things that you think are challenges because you don't have to be the expert, but if you're knowledgeable in that space, you can just add that. And unfortunately, fortunately due to COVID, you know, there's, we're at home a lot more. For me, I travel a lot. So all of that in the airport waiting time has completely been eliminated. So I find myself with like a teeny bit more time to do some of the things that I've really wanted to do, learn some of the things i wanted to learn. So not being afraid to have, they call it a growth mindset to, you know, don't feel like, oh, I don't know that. And I never will, you know, just pick up a book. You might not know the whole thing immediately, but you know just be not afraid to learn.
0: I I want to shout out one of my coworkers real quick because she stepped up. She had never been in tech. She came from a PR firm, joined, <laughs> joined my company and took on AI as a, as a thematic wow. matter. And, you know, kudos to her. She <laughs> stepped up, she goes, Dave, I don't know any of this stuff. Like I've never dealt with this before. And like you're saying, Kyla, you know, jumping on Coursera, she took a couple of free MIT courses. I, I'm pretty sure she did. I, she certainly is whip smart. So I, I'm, I'm going down that path. And she, she did that. She did exactly what you said. And the ability for her to become, she's never right now, never going to say never she right now, she's not what you would say is an expert on AI, but you know what she can do? She can hold a conversation with the best of them right now because exactly. she yeah. went and dedicated herself to that process, to that, to that learning, right? She yeah. took something and she kind of embraced it, went after it, and she did it on her own. And she did it with very minimal coaching, if at all, from someone like me, you know, who. You know, and I always want to find those type of people. And getting her, and I want to echo Lauren some of your points as well. The one of the best things that happened with her is she found she was put in touch with one of um, one of the people I hold in high esteem within my company as well, who has been through Sun, who's been through Oracle, who's put the time in as well, has the probably has the books to write about what's gone on there and and aligning herself up with her as a, in a mentorship and being able to you know have those meetings and being able to hear you know it it gets pretty bad but there is a lot of goodness that can happen well, through that
1: yeah and i wanna i wanna share a story if we have a second yeah, um, absolutely and that is that is you know i did a this um career strategy seminar um for uh, Cisco's erG and Cisco was great and opened it up and invited you know anyone who wanted to attend and I got a couple, you know, they opened it up for questions at the end. And I got a couple emails after that, that were very specific to, um, you know, I feel like I'm getting discriminated against in my role because uh, I'm a woman, because I'm black, because I'm, you know, I'm too old, right? So I got, I got those three things. And you know what I did? I called each of those women directly. And so um, some of them were very surprised, but I called them and I offered any help that they needed to get to the next level in their career. Because fundamentally that's what we all need to do as a society is, is really just extend our arms and like pull people up. And I think it's important for, for everyone to really look around and look in areas where you normally wouldn't look to start doing that. Absolutely. And
0: I'll Absolutely. put the challenge out to the men that listen to this as well. You got to step up to you. You got to stop being assholes because <laughs> you know you are. And you <laughs> have to be the people that are willing to, to countenance this type of conversation to, to enter into it willingly and be open and available to folks that have regardless of gender, race, creed, religion, whatever they look like, you have to be the people. In the, you know, you step in the gap you know, in a male dominated field <laughs> you know, for better, for worse, that's your opportunity to actually make things better, better, to be the forcing function that normalizes opportunity for everyone. So that's mm-hmm. the challenge that I have. It's a challenge that men should take on their shoulders as well. <laughs> yeah. And we work at it from both angles, right? I think that's, that's the most important part mm-hmm. here. If we're all pulling in the same direction together. We're all going to get there and we're going to get there. I promise
1: we'll get there. Maybe
0: not in my lifetime, but we're gonna get there, and uh, I'm not that old, so we got we got a while. Um,
2: Can I add something? to your Uh, statement. Sorry to keep you right in the middle of a thought. I'm so sorry. (laughs) But you know, people think of, oh my gosh, being an ally, that's such a huge thing. I wanna give like a low bar, just this is something you can do today of, I mean, when Corona ends and all that, but you know, just something as simple as inviting out that colleague who you think wouldn't feel welcome when everyone's going to the bar. I don't drink beer, but I'll find a cider beer. I've learned to love cider beer, but you know, these sort of informal areas where people form these camaraderies and these networks are made, Invite that person who you told yourself in your head, oh, they won't come because they have kids or no one looks like them or invite them. You have no idea if they'll mm-hmm. say yes or no. They may have been waiting for someone to say, you know, to invite them to something. So that's a low hanging fruit option.
0: Never miss those opportunities. I can't tell you how many times after those virtual happy hours, the real conversations happen, mm-hmm. you know, where, you're, you know, again, it's taking the mask off setting it aside and saying, hey, you know what, this is the real shit that's happening. You know, Corona affects us all. It's affected all of, all of our work habits, whether we traveled a lot or whether we did. I mean, people are blocked from even their local society or local community here. I'm constantly I, challenged. I want to set a high bar. Too. I okay. want to set a high bar now. I got low I like and I got it. high. All right, bring it So up.
1: I okay. want every single male that listens to this podcast to be vocal for a woman of color that they normally wouldn't be vocal for in a positive way when that woman is not in the room
2: hmm. Okay. because
1: at Challenge the end of the accepted. day women women lose battles for promotions when they're not in the room
2: yeah.
1: yeah and their bosses aren't fighting for them so fundamentally we need more people in those rooms fighting for these women and if if folks can step up here that would be phenomenal that's the high bar
2: i love okay. it
0: Wow, you know, it's 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 kind of ironic that I'm in the middle of you two. And Kyla, you're actually at the bottom of my screen. Lawrence <laughs> at the top. So I, I I actually have that visually represented. It won't look this way in video, I promise. It moves everything around. So I wanted to thank you both. I know there is a little project you guys worked on this year called Chasing Grace. If I wrote that down right. So give me the 30 second plug of what the Chasing Grace episode is about, and we'll we'll see if it happens.
2: We both pointed at each other. So Chasing Grace is a documentary by Jennifer Kloer, and it's about just bringing awareness to women who are in technology. And there's lots of different themes. There was one on boss ladies, and Lauren and I happen to be on the one for diversity. And we have some really real, really real conversations. I say real twice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's amazing. Um, There is going to be some sort of screening Mm -hmm. in the future.
1: Coming up want- in the future. Yes. yes.
2: Do you have anything more?
1: <laughs> no, I think um, you know we we were in a in this amazing documentary, um, and it was around diversity of thought, right? And, right. And uh, there was another woman um, uh, staff that was with us, and yes. she is phenomenal as well. She's from MongoDB, and she's uh, leads up communications there, and we all bring something different to the table, and I think you'll be surprised by each of our stories.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. I'm excited about it. And you just told me about it in like 45 minutes ago. So, I mean, this is great. (laughs) And this just confirms that I want to see it as, as, as much as well. So thank you both, Lauren, Kyla, for a random encounter on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) I say that and it sounds super creepy, but it's not guys. (laughs) I promise. I promise. Uh, But thank you so much for taking the chance and taking the time. Thank you. I love the stories. I I look forward to seeing the incredible things that you do and I will continue to send folks, your directions because Kyla, i'm involved in academia now
2: yay yay <laughs> and
0: lauren i work with some incredible women that could benefit from the communities that you're establishing coaching mentoring Great. everything along that line so okay. thank you both thank you. and thank uh, you look forward to conversations in the future. thanks for joining us today on elemental collision Tune in next week when we have another fascinating conversation with more interesting people. Take care.